0: Hello, and welcome to our Secular Sponsor Speaker Series. Each week we hear from an Overeaters Anonymous member who has attained and maintained abstinence without God and has served as a sponsor to other members. The series also provides opportunities for Secular OA members who don't have a sponsor or are interested in exposure to a variety of points of view to learn from the experience of others. We encourage everyone to sponsor others up to the level of their own recovery and to use these tools with each other as peers. If you are willing to sponsor or to work as a peer, please post a message at secular.overeaters.community at gmail.com. Again, the email address is secular.overeaters.community at gmail.com. For additional information about abstinence without God, go to secularovereaters.org. And now, let's hear from this week's Secular
1: OA sponsor. So, my name's Rachel. I'm a grateful member of O-Readers Anonymous. And I'm going to talk to you today about, <laughs> about study groups as, a, as an idea, workbooks, book clubs, and that ilk of things. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about me, a little bit about why you might want to incorporate something like this in, in your program. So, I joined... OA in the late 80s because I was desperate and um, did OA for about 15 years and had a lot of abstinence, but also a pattern of relapses. I finally tried how the subgroup that focuses on honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness learned some really important stuff, had something devastating happen, gave up any faith in God and 12-step programs and left the rooms for 10 years. At which point, something else challenging was going on in my life, and my food was getting not quite as clean as I felt okay about. So I came back. That was six or seven years ago, and I have lost count. So I've been doing this for a while, uh, struggling with different aspects of it, and have um, come to understand a few things, at least as, as it works for me. So... This program has a lot of different elements. The foundational element that it runs through everything is the 12 steps, um, which is a spiritual path. But it is also many other things. And what that means and how that plays out for us varies a lot. And But one of the common things that I think is true of everyone who sticks with um, OA and finds it helpful and finds some um, recovery through it is that you make connections with other people and that you have other people in these rooms that you value some sort of connection with. And because we're here to recover from some disease around food, right? It's often because they have helped us with something or we have walked along the path with them. They have somehow shown up in our life and and helped us in some way on this path of working the 12 steps in recovery. So so one (laughs) one of the driving questions I think then is if we want to help grow this community or be a safe place or foster recovery or do any of those good things, how do we support those connections and how do we support each other in working through the steps? And study groups are a way of doing both of those. Um, so what what is a study group? Um, it's basically, if you think about sort of like the, the realm of relationships, right? You can have a one-on-one conversation with somebody in person or on the phone. That person could be a sponsor. It could be another OA member. The, sort of the next step up would be typically people go to meetings um, and there's more organizational stuff. But really that's, the, that's the, the, the main shape of most people's relationships in program are meetings, phone calls, and some in-person stuff outside of those, you know, um, meeting before the meeting, whatever, right? But study groups are sort of like in between the one-on-one and a meeting, right? A study group would be a group of people who have chosen to get together with the purpose of going through studying something in some sort of methodical way. And the ways that show up in OA, typically the only ways I've seen are doing a study group on a workbook, or I've been told that some people do sort of social, more social book clubs. Um, but it's sort of an ongoing commitment um, where you get together with a, a subgroup of people, you know, not random, like a meeting every week. I mean, there's commonalities, but a meeting is open, but with a work, a study group, you might have a, um, uh, it might be closed. It might be an agreed set of people who are working together. So one one thing that have people have used to provide structure to a, to a study group is anything that goes through the 12 steps. This is, I hope you could see it, right? This is the 12-step workbook of Overeaters Anonymous. It's probably the first edition because it's the wrong color for the pretty purple one that we have now. But there is the 12 and 12. And then this is a workbook that, as you can see, I hope from its table of contents, is the steps. And since the whole workbook is something a bit over 100 pages, you know, that's a bunch of pages on each step, and each page looks like this. It has a question and it has space to write. And so if you have a group that meets for 12 weeks, you know, each week... People would write on that step, and then you get together and share. You can also do this with a sponsor or a partner, right? But if you call it a study group, you have probably three or more people, and and you're focused on it. More recently, a couple of years ago, OA came out with, I don't know if you can see it, this, which is called the 12-step workshop and study guide of Overeaters Anonymous. It is also very focused on the 12 steps, but it gives you leader text and the table of contents is a bit more detailed, right? And it's actually 16 sessions rather than 12 because it spends a lot of time on step four, but you can see here again, um, it has a setup, it has information, and then it starts on step one, step two, step three, step four, resentments, et cetera. So it, it gets into the same material, but from a different organizational way. And this I think has been quite well-received. I've heard of several groups that have been done. I've heard some people who have done it and said it was helpful and (laughs) not to be one to jump into these things, but I have actually just started a variation of this with a group of three other people. The normal structure for this is set up as two hours a a session. We're doing an hour a week, but whatever, right? We're skipping the leader readings. But still, it's a structure that we will, and it's, as I say, a group of four. Somebody invited us and and made a judgment. Yes, I'd like to be in this group. And so we have launched ahead. And we're now on like week, the next week will be week four. So there's no rules about what you do in a study group. And in fact, there is, I'm going to mention two other things. One is that on oanova.org, and I'm going to see if I can quickly find this while I talk, there is a big book study guide thing. And you are all welcome to go to this website, and look at these materials and see if you wanted to do a big book focused study. And then there's something that I have personally been working on for a bit on helping people get abstinent. I'm very glad I didn't close out the Zoom just now. So this is, if you want, if you go to this page then you'll see some different things and one of the tabs will say big book study. And then this is what I wanted to screen share. We now have produced by Northern Virginia Sponsorship Committee, um, a workbook to help you get abstinent. So see if this shows up. Yep. Yeah, boring abstinence through writing a draft workbook to try out. Okay. So we, <laughs> we debuted this on Saturday at a workshop that um, that sponsorship committee did on writing and abstinence. And, and it's exactly that. So how it is organized, 12 is a lovely number. So basically it says in the introduction, this is only just some stuff, some ideas If you actually really want long-term abstinence, you have to work the steps on all three levels. So, But what it does is it tries to, again, have an organized way of going through some important stuff. So it has these different topics, ideas, food plans, food thoughts, getting support in different ways, thinking, feeling, disease thoughts, feelings, habits, meditation, planning. And then for each topic, it has some stuff, and then it has questions. And I'm just going to scroll to say stuff, and questions. And so that's all I'm going to show you on that, but I can talk more about it. And I want to stop sharing. But that is because for some people, all of the all of these workbooks are and approaches are a combination of writing, which helps us explore and understand our inner selves, and sharing with other people and listening to other people. Right. So the sharing and the listening can also help us Grow And also, voila, magically helps us feel more connected to people, helps us develop relationships. So when we need help from the food cravings or some other challenge in our lives, we know other people that we can reach out to, right? We're not just like sitting in our rooms alone saying, oh my God, I have no idea how to deal with this. We can think, oh my God, I have no idea how to deal with this. I'll call, <laughs> Gail or Jim or Antoinette or that person who I know I saw in my group, but I don't remember her name, but I have her phone number written down. <laughs> and I think I like her, so we'll give her a try, right? <laughs> or it gives you ideas of people to like call up just for a chat, right? Like, okay, <laughs> it's Friday evening and I'm bored. So that's, so that's sort of like why we would do something and some of the, what we would do. So I'm going to really quickly say and you get to organize these things. So if you're going to organize something, I suggest you think in the something that I learned, it must have been in like high school somewhere, but if you, who, what, why, where, and when. So you have to invite people either through a general announcement or just talking to people who, what we've just talked about, why we've talked about, where, well, these days probably on a Zoom link. And I don't know if this one that Jim runs would be an option. I think that the one that my sponsorship committee uses could be an option where and when, well, good luck on figuring out the time that works for everyone. That's sometimes a challenge and um, sometimes it's easy, right? So, and then you just make it happen. You dive in, you're not going to know in advance what's going to happen, but something good will happen. So uh, I think actually really that's pretty much what I have to say about that. Oh, I do want to say that link that I put in the beginning, (laughs) I'm, that says go to https slash SO start new meeting, how to sample scripts and link to apply for a free Zoom room. That has been developed by some people, obviously, in this group on how to start a new meeting, but it has some useful information that can be helpful for starting a workshop as well, right? So I suggest that anyone who is thinking about starting a workshop of any sort you know, check that out and see if it has anything that's helpful. Okay, well, thank you for letting me share. I hope this has been a little bit useful for <laughs> for some of you. And uh, I guess we now we move on.
0: Thank you so much, Rachel. That was very very helpful.
1: Any time that you have some people getting together that isn't everyone, then you can have that happen. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, people who are close. So one thing is if you if somebody starts a group and and actually really does make it open, right. You say, you know, we're starting this group and we're taking eight people. And so let me know if you're interested and you just do it in first come, first serve. I know some people who do it on a rolling basis. They did one last fall and then they're doing one now. And for all I know, they might be planning to do another one next fall. And so they get to say, well, if you're if you can't join this one, then, you know, you can join the next one. So there's a like a a broad inclusivity on the flip side, the people who really do want a closed group recognize they don't want to make other people feel bad. So they actually try to be discreet. Right. So the I've heard about some meetings that have existed. Otherwise, when people have said, oh, I was in a really helpful meeting, but I've never known the specifics. So it's hard to feel like cut out by about some group that I don't really know anything about. And the group that I have just joined now Somebody invited somebody else who wasn't available, but mentioned to me that she'd been invited. And I said, well, I'm kind of interested. Could you let the person who's setting it up know that I'm interested? And that person made a decision on whether or not I was someone she wanted to invite into her group. But it was all <laughs> it was all very subtle, very, right? just one-on-one. And I think if the person had not wanted me, and she knows me, so she could have said, well, like, Rachel, I don't, just don't want to deal with her. They could have just said, no, I'm sorry, it's, it's full right now. Right. You know, (laughs) you know, so be, be considerate, but you know, it's, it's a real issue and be, be nice.
0: Arlene had a great, um, an example of one way of dealing with it. I don't know. Arlene, do you mind being put on the spot?
1: Oh, okay.
2: Um, I I said one of the ways in my area is it would be a sponsee uh, that person sponsor sponsees, a sponsor the person sponsees and perhaps their sponsees would form a group um and what i didn't get to mention in in the previous discussion was that typically the first session is open so it's anybody who shows up and then they set um you know a meeting time place and a, a whatever and then after session 2 it's closed so you know that that sort of avoids the clickishness as well
0: the the piece I wanted to emphasize, Arlene, which I thought was so beautiful, is what Arlene described as one example where a group formed, and they there was some maybe there was some sense of the cliquishness or some worry, but in any event, what they decided to do was that that group the original group would take on helping set up other groups, so that they would then you know uh, help some people other people who are interested help them get started. So that that was one way of dealing uh getting around that
3: oh thank you uh, actually I've had an experience where um through a workshop, um, several people in the workshop wanted to form a group and continue that that discussion and um, we We kind of got together you know initially as a closed group with a certain specific number of people. And as we got started, um, you know, a couple more people heard about it. So we had to raise, you know, whether it was OK to invite some some more people in, which which actually happened. And it worked out well, because after a few weeks, the initial group, which we thought was all we could handle, shrank to about half. You know, I mean, people just, you know, the commitment, you know, we 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 sort of structured it as a commitment and then, you know, people just found that they couldn't keep the commitment. So it worked out to be beautiful, you know, beautifully. And we were able to satisfy, you know, other people coming in and uh, it's, it's, that's fine. So that's all I've got. Thanks. Laura.
1: Um, Hi, I just, I've got to speak up and voice my opinion here because I really think it is a very bad and dangerous idea. Uh, we have a primary purpose, which is to be here for people who are new and suffering, and having anything that is a closed group, in my opinion, is just bad. It's a bad; mm. it hurts people's feelings. If you want to start something, start a meeting. OK, if you want to have just do it and do it up front, don't do unwritten meetings or seek uh, invited clubs, because I just think it's against our principles. Thank you.
0: Um Well, why don't I let, get it all out there, uh, Rachel, and then let Arlene has been involved in this discussion and then come afterwards. Or do you want to speak up now? Rachel, what's your preference?
1: Oh, I'd like to just share a couple of thoughts right now. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um I. So I appreciate the person who just spoke so clearly, right? The the thing I was going to make sure I had mentioned if I didn't already was people can always ask a, a, a local intergroup to sponsor something, which they would obviously do as an open invitation. You know, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a good answer. And I think people always do have closer relationships with some people than with others. So I but I, you know, I think to the extent that we can do things in a, in an open, inclusive manner, that's great. And I think it's worth just to build on the speaker's that idea. You know, maybe you set something up to go through a workbook as a meeting and see if it continues as a meeting, or do it again or something. You can certainly use these written materials in an ongoing way. And I know that there was a group that did a step a month. You know, at a church that was open for everyone. Of course, there were people who tended to be there, but other people on occasion came. So you can use these tools, these uh, approaches, you know, in a very open way if if you don't wish to, you know, if you if that's really important. And I don't personally, I don't tell other people how to work their program, and I believe in having close relationships. So that's my my perspective. But I, this is important. I'm I'm curious about other stuff as well. So. I'm going to shut up now and listen again.
0: I just want to respond to a chat, Melissa. I mean, I think the the the, is the writing guide available. That thing you put up there, that's available at the Nova intergroup site that you put up there, right?
1: It's not yet. It's not right. It will be hopefully, you know, in a week, right? But the webmaster was away, so she didn't put it up on Saturday. But that's the NOVA place where it will be and where currently there's big book stuff.
0: Arlene, you've had your hand up.
2: Yeah, um, just to respond to uh, the concerns that were brought up a few minutes ago, um, and I'm just protecting anonymity rather than because we do know each other. But uh, we've we've had the opposite in our area where – The study group was so wonderful that it became a meeting and opened up to newcomers. And it's happened several times in our area. And the reason I'm bringing up the experience is to highlight something very important. We have to live in the area where we live. In um, the speaker's area, there's one particular um, maybe personalities at work. And in my area, there's a really strong tradition of principles before personalities. So I was actually in a study group with someone I had worked with, uh, somebody who'd been a supervisor and been unpleasant and found my work unpleasant uh, and ended up in a study group with her. And being in that group where principles were put ahead of personalities we got to see each other in a different light. So, again, you know, what the speaker had said is that in her area, this is not a good idea. And I think when we consider these things, you know, again, we have Zoom as a as a different modality these days. But recognizing who we are as people when we set these up and and taking our own, personalities into account and how we operate I think is real important and I think Rachel brought that up as well that you know we have to think about how we do these things in our own recovery
3: you're uh, up just a quick thing is that honestly this very meeting started that way you know do we want to do workshops and so forth so we are a workshop meeting you know
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. We had a question from that was directed to me personally, but I'd love to hear uh, somebody else who was sort of like, what are the requirements to become a sponsor?
1: As someone who has been um, wrapped over the knuckles for using the wrong answer from the wrong edition of the book about the little pamphlet about sponsorship, the one that was produced a few years ago didn't say you had to be abstinent or something. And the one that currently is there does say you have to be abstinent. So a sponsor is an abstinent member who wants to carry the message. So the only requirement for being a sponsor is that you are abstinent and it does not have a number of days required. You can be one day abstinent and be a sponsor. The other, the implicit requirement is you have something to share right? You sponsor up to the level of your own experience, so you have to have some experience (laughs) with this program to share, right? And so if you have two days of abstinence, then you have two days of abstinence more than someone who is binging, you know, this moment, and you may have something to offer. So that's it, right? You don't need a lot of experience, (laughs) but you do need humility, right? If you only have two days of abstinence, I would encourage you to do a lot of listening and a lot of I understand and yes, isn't this really hard? I'm so in this with you, right? I would, that would be my two days. But if you've got a few days, I mean, that's it. So, right, you, you share your experience. This is a sharing of experience, strength, and hope.
0: Thank you for joining us today. To hear recordings of other speakers in this series, visit secularovereaters.org. And while you are there, please consider making a donation to support our work.